friends, this is Nicole Desain. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I'm joined by Dr. Bruce Pereira, who is a global learning design lead at a large professional services firm. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nicole. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, bringing me on to the show. Yeah, really excited. So let's get started with the first question, which is also kind of this time sort of indicative of what we're going to talk about later. So who are you and what's your story? Yeah, sure. So I know we talked about a metaphor. So I was thinking, racking my brain, how do I talk about metaphor seeing that I'm a story guide, right? So ah. I would say that I am a narrative and systemic archaeologist. So we know that archaeologists, uh, you know, explore and find and uncover. And so storytelling really is about making sense of and creating meaning. It's about connecting people. Um, stories really are about change. And so for me, it's about helping people uncover those dominant stories and maybe the unique stories or stories that don't necessarily fit the broader culture or status quo, and to help think about and understand the impact of that, whether it's on their teams, their organization, their leaders themselves, the way they think. And so I like to think of myself as a narrative and systemic archaeologist. I would also say that change, cultural change, doesn't happen by the big, broad, sweep initiatives and programs that we typically see in corporate organizations it happens in those connections and interchanges between human beings and stories are perfect for that when you elicit stories when you ask people to share their experience that's really where we start to get a deep understanding and so I would say not only am I a narrative and systemic archaeologist I'm the guy that's holding the pebble and I throw the pebble into a still lake and I watch it ripple because it's the ripples, the systemic ripples, the story ripples that actually emanate outwards. And that's where change happens. So wow, I'm the that's amazing. The you really thought about that metaphor because I was just, you know, digging for the story when you said narrative archaeologist. So you really got much more, you know, thoughts around that topic. But I love that. I love that. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get back into that later when we talk about storytelling using metaphors in you know the way you um you create narratives i'm sure is a technique in itself so i'm excited that you sort of modeled that for us here um so next question is what you know our audience always loves this one um what's your superpower Sure. So this, again, was something I really had to reflect on. And so and I don't know if you can see that. So um, I would say my superpower is people and bringing people together and understanding. And so I would say threefold. Firstly, I am a deep thinker. I really value the importance and power of self-reflection and group reflection. I think it's very, very important in how we create sense and meaning. So you can see I am, you know, a brain here, like a deep thinker around those areas. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we don't pay too much attention to what I like to call relational reflexivity, understanding other people, what's driving them, why are they doing the things, how can we help, how might we enable and support them. And so part of that relational kind of superpower is being able to have a deep empathy and understanding, connecting with people, being very quick to um, hone in on what's important. And that's represented by the heart here. Uh, and then I think finally, right, as a storyteller, as a person who thinks in systemic ways, um, 
again, it's about people and relationships and helping them create their stories, reauthor their stories, understand those stories. And so you can see broader systems behind you with levels of information and data. So from a relational perspective, I help people kind of coordinate those multiple levels of meaning into a coherent and consistent story for them. So that's my superpower, people. Wow, that's an amazing superpower. And I love that you that it's not just so it's a self-reflection, but then also unleashing them that sort of in others and then creating that as a, almost like a systemic superpower. So right. you're multiplying your own superpower to the organization, it seems like. That's really cool. Right. I mean, as leaders, right, our power actually comes from how we support and enable people to actually bring forth and leverage their skills and their experience. And I think mm -hmm. that's really important. In order to do that, we need to let go of the ego and we need to be able to connect with people, understand and let them, you know, build that trust and connection and those stories. So I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So let's dive into the topic. So Tell us a little bit, so you gave us some demonstrations, but tell us a little bit about storytelling, um, what's its connection to design thinking, and how have you applied it in the workplace? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think storytelling generally is often seen in corporate organizations as um, a, a functional skill, as in its communication. Um, and they really focus on maybe, you know, how do you craft a story? How do you deliver a story? And again, there's nothing absolutely wrong with that. That's an important part of storytelling. But there's so many different ways and perspectives um, and approaches and techniques to storytelling. Another key way that you generally see in organizations, and which I do myself, is support leaders in kind of coming up with their own personal stories mm. uh, or getting ready, you know, to kind of go, go to market, you know, go and sell something. So the pitch, and I think that's very important too. But I think where organizations really are lacking with storytelling is that that's where they're focusing on. And that's not a problem. That's an indication or reflection of the level of maturity in the organization and their level of understanding of the power and impact of stories because stories connect people. Stories are change catalysts. Stories change over time, right? And so my research looked at kind of how stories stay the same and how they change and why they change. But they, you know, temporal, temp temporality, they, they move across time, they shift. And if you can start to understand those, that's kind of where you can understand like what's going on. How I use it, apart from the communication and the pitch pieces, it's really about getting people to think differently, to mm -hmm. really question and rather not simply accept, right? Organizational culture is complex. It's uh, transhistorical, right? What you see today was probably set up multiple, multiple years ago. There's lots of processes in place that keep those around. And what we find is that there's dominant stories, right? And those typically are heavily marketed, heavily managed. They typically reflect maybe what's going on in the broader society, what the shiny objects are. And what we find is that when you actually ask people their experience, when you elicit their stories, they very often tell you something very different than what the organization is saying that experiences mm. interesting and so mm -hmm. you need to kind of understand where is that disconnect now you know i think that's where i bring it in so um you know there's lots of techniques within design thinking really that you can use that are 
I say probably directly related to storytelling, right? And then there are techniques that I like to call storytelling adjacent, right? They're not really storytelling, but if you use them in the process and to elicit stories and to get people to share that out, you are still doing design thinking and storytelling together. So I think you can do that. I think, you know, it's about really spending the time to discover right? Key process in design thinking is discovering what that is, right? That's the archaeologist. That's kind of digging. We want to be paying attention, not just to the techniques and the inputs and outputs. We want to be, you know, thinking about what's happening when you're discussing this, what's not happening, where are the trends, where are the patterns? I think it's about being curious, um, discovering, trying to understand at your own individual level, but then understanding together. So it's really more about getting people together to connect and create sense and meaning in that moment together, right? And what does that mean? What can you agree on? What can't be agreed on? And I think it's really important for us to be having some of those conversations. So I think really for me, um, when we think about traditional ways of solutioning for culture change, we think about um, there's a problem, let's build, create, solve, deliver. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But we kind of know that a lot of the time it doesn't hit the mark, right? There's lots of ivory tower thinking. We're not engaging with people or their experience or knowing what they want. And storytelling is just a simple way to connect with people on a very human level, right? Um, and talk about what's important to them. What is their experience? Um, you know, so I think formally, for example, I got certified in design thinking in 2017 for my role in corporate learning. And I use design thinking in multiple different ways, right? Some of it is not about stories. Some of it really is kind of the standard pieces and other pieces that I work on are all about that discovering and getting to that those individual stories and pulling it up to the group level stories and then the themes and looking for patterns. I think mm -hmm. that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's kind of, you know, uh, where my journey with design thinking started. But my, my journey really started well before I was in this role. It's well before I got certified. I was, you know, a highly special clinical psychologist trained in systemic narrative methods. Um, and I think it's just about how do you incorporate that, um, that mindset of, understanding what's going on for people, mm -hmm. creating with them, right, rather than for them, and, uh, yeah, really connecting on a real human level. And mm -hmm. I think some of this is about focusing less on your techniques, right, because people can get really overwhelmed and, you know, have fantastic boards of what they're about to do. And I would say focus on discovering, understanding, and reflecting and the solutions will come. But when we focus primarily on the solutions, we're losing that narrative, that human centered process. So for me, mm -hmm. that's how I bring it in. Yeah, great. And just a reminder for the audience, if you have questions, please put them in the chat. We'll get to them at the end. Um, I have one follow-up question because it kind of struck me when you said there is a corporate narrative that we often have, and then you might uncover there's individual narratives of employees that might be different. What do you right. do then? <laughs> so let's say you found that like a, maybe a significant right. gap between the two. Yeah. How do you bring them together or do you? 
Yeah, you do. So remember, I'm the guy that throws the pebble, right? In yeah. order to, <laughs> right, in order to um, affect change, you need to do something different, right? Storytellers are change agents. You need to be brave and courageous when you start to say, ooh, I've noticed that there is a dominant narrative here. I've also noticed that there's multiple other narratives, right? So it's a matter of um, having these conversations that you know are really more adaptive, cultural in nature, rather than focusing on a technical solution. For me, storytelling is about an invitation. It's an invitation to have a conversation that we otherwise would not be having, right? It's an invitation to think differently. It's an invitation to kind of look at well, if this is the case, what is the impact of that? Is that something we mm-hmm. want to, you know, follow up? Is that something we want to ignore? Right. It's really just changing the conversation, engaging with people to have meaningful conversations that are about creating meaning and sense making. Right. What do you do with that afterwards? Um, you know, some people like to just have the conversation, not do anything and others, you can choose and prioritize what you can work on. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it starts with brave and courageous and adaptive conversations about what you found. Right. Mm -hmm. Because remember people's stories, their data, they're as important and probably more impactful than just other data. Right. These are the lived experience and stories of people. Now, what I will say is, you know, you need to tread carefully. Culture and culture change is complex, right? Um, the messenger sometimes gets shot, right? We kind of know that this is cultural behavior. Um, and so you also want to be thinking about how much does this narrative, this broader narrative actually represent the truth, as it were, or how often might it not be as representative? You want to be thinking and having conversations about whose voices are not being represented through that dominant narrative. Mm -hmm. Where are the exceptions to that? Whose voices are being silenced? Whose voices are being prioritized? So kind of thinking about things such as uh, positioning, voice, all of that stuff is very storytelling. It's very narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of, you know, I think it's about thinking to those pieces, really. Mm -hmm. Um, and then challenging it, right? Having sensitive, but adaptive and courageous conversations. Because remember, I think sometimes we focus on action and the solution and we undervalue reflection and the sense-making, right? Mm -hmm. You can't have a meaningful solution without really going through the sausage-making machine, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have a deep understanding what's going on and what that means. Those Mm -hmm. are clear insights, yeah. Yeah. And kind of expanding on that. So your, your role is global. Um, are there, you know, different considerations when you work in a culture change context or you storytelling with the global audience? Well, I think so. I mean, I think generally, you know, we all we assume in the West that we all think and feel and, you know, um, we're very West centric generally in America. Right. And again, it's about representation position. It's about cultural differences and values. Even the very nature of storytelling is very different. Here in America or the West in general, we tend to think of stories as being relatively linear. We tend to think of them as conflict-based. We tend to think there's, you know, particular sequence and flow. Um, So these are, you know, really kind of things on how we think about stories. But when you actually look more globally, 
stories are more fractal in nature. They're not necessarily linear. They create sense and meaning in different ways when you're telling stories, there's different structures. And so I think you just need to be mindful of how you approach it, right? Again, reflection, the way that I might think about something or the way that I might write, lead a, a design thinking session or a narrative session is very um, impacted by my own worldview. So you need to super be in touch. And I don't think that today a lot of leaders are able to have the time um, to do that reflection. So, you know, as I say, solutions will get there. I think we need to build in more time to really be understanding, making sense of, creating that meaning and taking that time to reflect because then what happens from there will be more impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. That's super interesting. Um, and so can you tell a little bit, you know, the barriers, people always want to get a little bit real as well. So what are the barriers maybe that you encountered in bringing storytelling and design thinking into the organization and how did you yeah. overcome them? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, first and foremost, right, I think part of it is around that organizational level of maturity around what storytelling is. And so you find in many organizations, they focus on communication, right? And generally, when you kind of deconstruct that, it's not even communication, right? It's kind of some real basic kind of pieces that don't necessarily fall under storytelling per se. Um, so I think part of that is really you know, trying to get people to understand the value of design thinking and storytelling and how we market that and how we're able to talk about the value. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that really, you know, there's a lot of, as I mentioned, focusing on getting to the solution. Doing this design thinking in a narrative way is kind of slowing that process down a little bit. Um, to get that understanding, that meaning creation right. And then what you might find as a barrier is that even if people are engaging all along the way, they have the super idea of what they want in their mind and they struggle to let go of that. And so you go through this whole process, you spend the time of doing all these techniques, this narrative, this design thinking, and then sometimes you see leaders trying to aggressively retrospect what they thought they wanted into the process. So it's mm. about talking with people about that. I think most of it really is cultural in nature, right? The focus on action, the focus on delivering solutions, maybe how you historically think about getting to solutions, how you go to markets, you know, do you involve your clients? Not historically, right? You kind of deliver an ironclad platinum plated solution, uh -huh. right, over to them. This really is a different way of thinking. It's involving them. It's about collaboration, about co-creation. It's about getting to that shared story, uh -huh. right? And I think that, you know, as we know, culture, is important, right? It has an impact. So I would say one of the big barriers is the change in what these ways of thinking bring. It's more human-centric rather than simply delivering a solution. And I think part of that barrier in itself is then how do we talk about that? How do we talk about um, the story of change, the story of design thinking, the story of storytelling in corporate settings? How do we sell the value? It's about um, how do we enable people to do that in a meaningful way? How do we scale that, right? These are all some of the barriers that I think we, we sometimes forget that when we're dealing with cultural change and doing something new is cultural change, right? Going to market in a different way is cultural change, can be slow. Um, and part of that is we need to be better at change management, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I would say my final barrier that I, I see 
and I have seen a lot is that people are starting to really see the value of storytelling, I think, right? Um, not necessarily the transformational value of storytelling, but certainly the transactional kind of value of storytelling and certainly design thinking over the many years is starting to get a lot more high profile. So I think you see teams and leaders wanting to do stories at storytelling or design thinking, you get called in and it's a real struggle for them because they want you to sprinkle some uh, design thinking on something and you're like, very magic. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, (laughs) it's like, or can you do some design thinking? You're like, well, what you're actually asking is for me to lead a meeting. You don't need design thinking for that. You don't need Mm. storytelling. So again, it's just helping people understand, you know, where, where are these best suited? Where's the value? What are you going to get from this? And what is it not, right? So you mentioned value. So that begs the question, can we or how have you quantified the impact of using mm. storytelling for culture change? Right. I mean, so from a pitch perspective, right, you can count numbers, uh, you know, and kind of talk about the number of people and teams and leaders that you've coached and the amounts of money, right, that might result from that. Um, You can certainly gather, you know, uh, stories and experience stories, feedback from these leaders about the impact that, you know, those coaching sessions have had. I think when you're thinking about doing a design thinking session and using narrative in that, like I did with a recent project about uh, the culture of feedback, you can see the impact, right? People engage, they have ideas, they want to be heard, right? They want to share, they get excited and engaged. You can see that. And when you start to be able to quantify that and get people to share that story, about how impactful that is, that is powerful information, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can also kind of go through the process and start to get people to reflect through that process of the insights that they're gaining individually or as a group, and then very much reflect about what have they got from that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. I love that. Sort of that reflection and then capturing that you know, mm-hmm. maybe even before and after and things like that. Yeah. All right. I got one more question for you. Uh, what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? Yeah. So I, oh my goodness, I thought about this. I have so many, but I'm not what? too, <laughs> I'm not sure it's a hack really. I would say <laughs> I'm, I think you just need to approach this as a human being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, having normal human conversations. I mean, and ask people their experience. I mean, it sounds so simple and yet we don't do it, right? I know, yeah. Just it's, talk to people. Right, right. <laughs> Have a conversation, yeah. Um, yeah. So I say it's not a hack, but actually it's a lost skill. It's an insight. Right? Yeah, it's a yeah. skill, it's a mindset, right? So we have a few audience questions. Before I go to them, I always close with a surprise quote for you and let you react to it. Are you ready? I am. (laughs) Okay. Quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget, forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Unquote. Maya Angelou. Um, well, this resonates with me, right? I've written a lot out there um, about culture and leadership and toxic leadership and toxic culture. And I think fundamental to all human beings, doesn't matter who you are, where you sit, what your job is, what your career level, we all want to be heard, we all want to be understood, and we all want to be respected. And when those three things are in place, 
everything else falls in place, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People don't leave bad jobs. We know this. We know that people lead bad leaders, right? And that's not something you just, you know, leave behind because we are creating meaning through stories and experience that we don't just leave at the door when we get to work and we don't leave that in that organization when you choose to move on, right? Mm -hmm. You take all those stories with you, that sense that creation is always with you. So, you know, people do remember how you make them feel. Like Mm -hmm. if you make them feel bad, that's what they'll remember about you. If you made them feel that they were empowered and enabled and supported and valued, that's what they take away, Mm -hmm. right? And there is a real protective factor I'm in relationships and in organizations and organizational culture, when you get the basics right around human interactions and civility and respect, some of the other things that might be toxic have less of an impact. Yeah, right. love that. Okay, so um, Chris had a question. If you can share, walk through a project example and a specific ways you use design thinking in the sense-making space and whether there are specific methods or tools you find more impactful than others. Yeah, sure. So um, I lead a task force. I'm on uh, client account management and feedback across multiple teams. And um, I, we were thinking about how might we think about feedback, right? So really it was about an ask to kind of come up with a feedback framework. Now you have to take a step back. First part is understanding the discovery, the research. So we did some internal research. We did some external research, understanding what's really being said about feedback, right? Good practice, bad practice. From that, we started to have an understanding The next one is that kind of adaptive conversation. Why now? Why do we need a new one? What's happening with the ones that we already have, right? And then it's about having those conversations and starting to have that adaptive conversation that, yes, I hear you need a technical solution. And actually from our research, we're probably finding a suggestion that maybe this is more of a cultural adaptive conversation that we need. And so you start to socialize that. So from rather going from request to gathering requirements to building to delivering, you start in discovery, you understand. Um, you start to hypothesize, you start to test that out with people. We then kind of created, you know, a, a mural board, a digital online kind of, you know, design thinking session. And it was as simple as asking people, right, in those teams, can you tell me your experience of receiving feedback? Can you tell me your experience of giving feedback, right? If you ask, people will share, right? And -hmm. that's the important thing. And so they're sharing at the individual level. You then have group conversations, what resonates, you start to understand where the patterns, the trends, the gaps are, right? So you start to notice some of the, the larger, broader narratives, such as things like feedback is a gift, right? or that you need to accept feedback or et cetera, et cetera. You start to notice all these things, but through the stories, you also start to notice other artifacts, language or emotion or things that are going on in those design thinking sessions that you can use. Once you've kind of had those, you know, those conversations, you've done the ideation, you start to do what design thinking calls cluster analysis, right? But really this mimics um, at a very superficial level, some narrative thematic analysis, right? And so what you're doing is taking from individual level up to the group level. So you're making 
from individual sense making and storytelling to group level, getting that vision, you start to kind of talk and you start to see what's really happening, right? You start to get things such as relationships, you start to get pieces such as what's not working, um, the resistance to it. You start to gather the evidence of what those dominant narratives are, what maybe some of the alternative, more hidden narratives are. We asked people, you know, to kind of then think about kind of taking those individual groupings or narrative themes, clusters, and putting them in a narrative map. So you now start to look across multiple design thinking activities. What is the lay of the land, right? Because storytelling is having a holistic view of things. It's not honing down necessarily and thinking about things in abstraction. Meaning is global, right? And so you start to see these narrative maps. You start to pay attention to things such as transitions and conversations. You start to pay attention to how people become emotive or non-emotive, their engagement levels. What language are they using, right? Because language is fundamental to how we create sense-making. So you're taking design thinking to that next level. You're really looking at it at, as a meaning-making process, right? Narrative. I think when you start to kind of have those conversations, you want to be hypothesizing, testing it back. So checking out with your leadership, hey, this is what I'm finding and starting to have those initial conversations, not having it at the end, having that adaptive conversation saying, I'm curious, I wonder what this means. Do you think that this is something that we can do? I will give you a framework, but I'm also curious about let's follow this and see you know, what the value of understanding these other things. And so had we done the traditional method, we would have just come up with another mm -hmm. framework, another technical tool on how to gather and give feedback. What we did was discover some cultural resistance to feedback. We discovered some key dominant narratives that sound fantastic, but might not necessarily always represent every single voice or experience. And we need to pay attention to that. So the solution, yes, had a framework that came with it. But on top of it, it also came with a point of view. It came with a, a clear kind of point of view that uh, feedback should be regardless of career level. The importance of positive feedback mm -hmm. is obvious, but actually constructive feedback is really key. Mm -hmm. It came with an enablement plan, right? So we created and curated learning paths specific to uh, you know, things around giving and receiving feedback, enabling and supporting people to do that, to understand best practices. We also kind of created uh, learning enablement pathways that are adjacent to feedback, right? Relationships, stakeholder mm -hmm. management, how to deal with conflicts, right? These, how to set expectations. And so, you know, we created a guide, we've created top tips, and we asked the audience, we've gone back to the audience multiple times in different formats post the session to validate that what we found still is representative. Mm -hmm. We've asked them to come up with a solution, right? We've mm -hmm. asked them to help in curating resources that they found helpful. So we've handed over clearly a piece around feedback, but we've also handed over a point of view around um, the importance of acknowledging current culture and what we can do about that. There's an enablement plan, learning pathways. There's also the conversation around engagement and communication and the role that leadership has in communicating and modeling um, best practice feedback. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it would have just been, here's another feedback framework. 
um, based on someone's opinion versus we've handed over something far more complex, right? Based in data or steeped in data. Yeah. Right. That's such a great example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of the techniques, right? So we did the research, the ideation, the cluster analysis, the, the mapping, the thematic analysis, um, we went back and did, you know, um, how might we statements? We did um, a creative matrix around really ideating on getting as many solutions across the board of what we thought. I mean, what we found was most people's solutions are technical. There is a small people percentage that really focus on more adaptive things. And so these are all insights. I think it's then also about how do you create the story about the process? How do you create the story about what the process has led to? And what's the value of handing out this more complex cultural, you know, point of view and enablement plan rather than just saying, here's another feedback tool for you. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Uh, We are at time, but there's one more question. Maybe we can take that one really quick because I think it's a good question. So one minute answer or so. Um, question from Celine, how do you make the average executive team extend an invitation to sense-making discussions? Is this reserved for a few enlightened leaders or can it happen anywhere? I love that question. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I think what we're talking about is kind of lots of narratives around where power, authority and expertise lies. These are narratives, right? And I think with anything, two things, approaches as a human being approach this um, curiously. If you go in and ask curious questions, right? It's not evasive. It's not, you know, people are going to respond to that. If you get people to elicit their stories around these particular things, you can share it and then you can join, you know, do those insights. So I would just say curiosity, human-centered conversations, right? Mm -hmm. So apply the same approach. Right. to your leaders it's, as well right because they're yeah. only humans too in the end yeah it's an invitation it's an yep. invitation to converse right yeah i love that thank you so much i feel so much wiser at the end of this conversation it was great to have you thanks everybody hope to see you at a future talent tales bye thanks nicole thank you.